Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I am your gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand, and I am happy to be here and deep dive into this episode today. It is a heavy hitter, um, just to talk about it. It's not going to be a really lighthearted issues that we're going to be talking about today. This week's Relax Fit episode, it was a lot about talking that it might cover racism, the Cold War, things of that nature. So going into the political symbolism, political allegories of the original series and even Picard portrayed in a couple episodes. And we're going to go through individual episodes to kind of show this. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a really interesting subject that I thought needed to be addressed because about a month, month and a half ago, this is July 2020 in the podcast world out there, there was a lot of fans that I started noticing on message boards and and my own personal Starfleet fan group that I'm a part of. It's that it was Star Trek's not political and Picard shouldn't talk about politics in, in the show and neither should Discovery and they should just stick to exploring planets and doing their thing and and my whole, what really turned me on to the show and the series was that Star Trek is consistently and constantly commenting on the social norms and on what's happening in the real world at the, at the time that these shows are being put out. So I think it's a great time to just kind of remember our history, rehash, be like, look, this is consistently what the show's about. And it's, it, I learned a lot. Um, to be honest with you, my opinion of Picard kind of changed because I watched a few episodes and I really thought about it. Like, what would I do in these situations? And on a lot of them, I got to side with Kirk more than Picard, just personally. Nah, doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong. I still love Picard, don't get me wrong. So um, I'm not a Picard hater. I'm just putting that out there now so people don't, rush at me don't at me bro <laughs> but anyway let's get into this week's episode about the allegorical and political symbolism in star trek wow that was a mouthful of an intro to an episode <laughs> sounds like a term paper but no no joke like there have been in my research there have been books published there's been documentaries made about this subject so i feel me just talking about it like for 20 30 minutes one time because i don't think this will be a two-parter i think i I don't want to beat a dead horse and and to me it's kind of like all right i accomplished my goal i learned and i taught many people who may have not known about this so let's move on to another subject which I'm happy to announce. I think we're going to do a Klingon episode just in the same vein as our Borg series. We're going to do a Klingon series, um, which I, I think is going to be a lot of fun. I love the Klingon race. They're they're a hoot nanny, and they are some some wild guys and girls, man. So um, I'm happy to announce that. That'll be the next big series that we do. I might have a little couple lighthearted ones after after this political episode. But anyway, like I mentioned before, like 
in the intro, Star Trek has always been a political commentary show, always has been, and I think always will be. But I'm going to throw some fun facts to kind of start the episode off, which I thought were really, really interesting. Um, did you know that Nichelle Nicholas, who plays Ohura on the original series, do you know that she was going to quit after one year of being on the show? But she was talking to one of her really good friends, and he convinced her to stay on the show. It's important for an African-American to be on the show, to have that representation in the, in the mid-60s. They can see how society will eventually evolve where racism isn't an issue. And her friend was none other than Martin Luther King Jr. That is right. So from the very get-go, the foundations of Trek, it's always been in this arena of political commentary and symbolism. So I, I thought that was such a cool story that such a, a, a hero and national figures, Martin Luther King was like, no, you need to be on Trek and influence Trek in forever. Like she's an icon now. So I thought that that was just really neat. And also, I think I mentioned before one of my other episodes, because I had in my show notes, is that the first interracial kiss happened on the original series. I think a lot of you know that, but there's a cool backstory. So originally, the the kiss happened that it was between William Shatner and Nicholas, right? Well, apparently, the script called for it to be between her and Leonard Nimoy, and that William Shatner was supposed to be some, doing something in the background or whatever, but apparently... Shatner kept messing up on purpose over and over and over and over and over again and through some kind of wacky like maybe it was a scheduling conflict I don't I don't know I don't think anybody really knows is that they cut Nimoy out of it and they put Shatner in it so now Shatner's part of history and he knew it would be part of history so I I mean he's like I want to get in there the eyes of history are on you um to quote Hamilton so I think that's really kind of a fun fact that I didn't no idea and I don't think a lot of you may know, so I definitely wanted to share it. But um, yeah, we're definitely going to go into deep diving the original series and how it's changed from Picard to Kirk. And this is also a great tie-in to the 24th Century Chaos episodes and how Gene changed from the next generation to the original series. So I think that's really neat. And if you've listened to all these episodes, you'll be like, oh, of course it totally makes sense. And if you haven't, go listen to them because you'll be like, Oh, this is totally connect the dots even better now. So the first topic we're going to talk about today is Captain Kirk and the quote-unquote Cold War. Now, when I originally was researching this, I was like, this will be neat to kind of see the correlations between the two. Because in the 60s, this is right at the height of the Cold War. And, and I didn't know this, but apparently Roddenberry and a bunch of his like friends and and show colleagues were actually world war ii veterans and so now we have this communist aggressor in the cold war and again i'm not going to go into all that politics stuff but anyway they really believed roddenberry and his colleagues that they considered the western democracies the only force holding back worldwide totalitarian dictatorship and one of the big proponents of that was JFK. So we're going to play this JFK line. And let me ask you, before I play it, what captain could you see saying this line in this clip by JFK? All right, let's roll it. Whether it wishes us 
well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. So I believe that clip could have easily been said by Captain James T. Kirk. And I'm not the only one. There's a guy out there called Paul Cantor. He's a literature professor. And he has his essay, Shakespeare and the Original Klingon. And he talks about how Kirk is kind of like this emboldened Cold War warrior, much on the same model of JFK. And I kind of agree with that. And we're going to be talking about that in depth as we go through each of these episodes, but I kind of want to set the arc to put that in your mind to be like, okay, Cold War, Kirk, let's see if it's true. Because as I researched, it was like, wow, I never thought about it that way. That's interesting. So we're going to be moving on to an episode called The Omega Glory and Friday's Child. So Omega, Omega Glory is the episode where Kirk rapturously quotes the preamble in the Constitution to these to these aliens on their home world and talks about freedom and democracy and, and the right to choose and, and to govern oneself. And in Friday's child, and this is in that episode, Kirk is struggling to outwit the Klingons. And now to me and to this literature professor, Klingons are stand in for the Soviet union. Kirk is trying to outwit these Klingons in negotiations over resources and these resources are oil. So it's much like the Middle East. And that's definitely goes into Cold War dynamics because we are both were doing that. And so Kirk in this episode, The Friday's Child, stands very stubbornly, very fixed for the principles of universal freedom and against collectivism, ignorance, and passivity. Now that's important because we're going to talk about Kirk's position on this compared to Picard's later on in the episode. And so, again, kind of setting forth ideas that were like, okay, where are we going to get this? Cultivate it, let it chew on a little bit before we get into the whole culmination of the idea. In the episode, Errand of Mercy, this is the episode that first introduces the show most famous villains, which, of course, in the original series, like I mentioned before, the Klingons, and Kirk cannot comprehend why these people, this like nomadic tribe are so placid and let themselves be completely enslaved by the Klingons without any issue, without any like fight. He's completely disgusted by their pacifism. And he even like has this, I don't know how to say this. I mean, Kirk loves peace, obviously, but he recognizes that that peace without freedom is not truly peace. And that reminds me of a kind of a Ronald Reagan inaugural speech and and even Winston Churchill during World War II. To me, this was not like a big political point in Star Trek. It rested on a deeper philosophical commitment that Roddenberry was trying to get through the show. Because again, you have to, if you listen to the 24th century chaos, you understand that Roddenberry was a humanist and put humanist ideals into Trek. And that's and I don't really want to debate that because there's really nothing to debate. They're, they're the facts. In Roddenberry's humanist vision, totalitarianism was 
only one manifestation of kind of this dehumanizing force that deprived mankind and aliens of other worlds of the opportunities and challenges and their existence to find meaning. So we can kind of see, okay, there's a theme with the original series now. Um, We're going to talk about a few more original series episodes that they want peace, but not at any price. And that it's going to cost something to protect your freedom. And again, this is Kirk. Let's keep that in mind. (laughs) So one of the most famous um, original series episode is called Return of the Archons. This is where Kirk and company infiltrate this theocratic world monitored and dominated by this deity called Landru. And in the previous episode of Errand of Mercy, the native people of the planet were completely pacifist and they were placid and almost kind of like mindless. Like it's kind of like rewatching the episode kind of reminded me like, just like they were kind of like cattle kind of going through emotions, not really thinking, not really fighting, not really doing anything. So, I mean, and this is kind of to give you overview of the world before Landry came in one of the native people tell Kirk there was a war. There was a lot of like devastation from this war. The world was destroying itself. And Landrew took us back to a simpler time where we didn't have all this death. We didn't have all this fighting. And now we kind of sold our soul to have peace. So that raises a deep philosophical question. Is that peace then? So anyway, not really trying to go into that here. So the parent, so the people live in this ignorant, kind of like stagnant bliss, and there's no conflict because Landry has removed it and removed responsibility of governing themselves. And when Kirk discovers, and this is like such a Twilight Zoney type of ending, is that Landry is actually this kind of spoilers if you haven't watched this 60 year old episode of Star Trek, is that Landry is an ancient computer left behind by an ancient race, and. He kind of just, he's in Kirk and him, Kirk and the computer arguing and Landry tries to justify the enslavement of people. And he's like, I give harm, like harmony and, and peace and tranquility. And then Kirk brilliantly says, what have you done to do justice to the full potential of every individual without freedom of choice? There's no creativity. And without creativity, there's no life. After that whole speech, Kirk pers- persuades Landrew that coddling people has stifled the souls that he originally wanted and claiming that to defend and this god machine self-destructs. So you may say, Jonathan, how is this political commentary of these episodes in, in 1963, 1964 that Kirk is displaying this idea of there is peace, but we're not going to peace without any price. That there is individual freedoms. Individual has the greatest potential to live oneself. And that self-governing is a God-given right. Um, big G or little G is a God-given right that we are inaned with and that we should have as human beings. Again, the backdrop is the Cold War. And so this is a way of commenting directly to the Soviet Union and directly to communist 
regimes or supporters in the 60s saying, hey, this is exactly what we think, and we think you're wrong, and we're displaying that. So again, political commentary, political allegories through story. And this is a great way to do it, and that's how you should do it, not just beat you over the head with super simplistic things that kind of tie the meaning in the story without really telling it. And that's what the original series does so brilliantly and beautifully. And if you'd be like, well, Jonathan, I don't really know about that. Well, look, we have one more original series episode that we'll talk about, and that's um, called The Apple. And in The Apple, and to me, this is probably the most one of the, the most important episodes of all of Star Trek, because in this episode, we see the Prime Directive get almost unashamedly broken by Kirk. So the Enterprise is ordered by Kirk to destroy um, this kind of computer tyrant, again, just like Landru, called Val. And Val is this kind of omnipotent, totalitarian, and he actually demands sacrifice and they have, and the people underneath Val actually have like no culture. There's no freedom. There's no science. They don't even know how to farm. They can't have kids because Val has forbidden sex and other individualistic impulses. So Val has this kind of like this super grip, almost an iron fist over these people. No pun intended. And this really like pisses Kirk off. Again, we see Kirk and Roddenberry make this theme really punches at home here that there are objectives, good and evil, and slavery is an evil because it deprives life forms of their right to self-government and self-development. So Kirk is saying that multiple times. Roddenberry is woven almost in an exogenesis type of way throughout all the original series. So... I really believe that this was a huge proponent in the Cold War and kind of battling this collectivism idea. Now, you may say, Jonathan, that's just the Cold War is not that way and socialism is not that way. And and now it's a lot different and democratic social and all that. Look, I'm not going to be making political statements here going one way or the other. I mean, we're talking about track and I'm just showing you what Roddenberry and Kirk proposed during this time. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I'm just saying these are the facts to show you Trek has always been a microphone on political issues. And I think it's smart to do so because it's it's a way for people to see stories and understand them in ways that they weren't necessarily before. So instead of yelling at somebody with a sign, you may change their heart a different way and this is this is exactly what Roddenberry was trying to do with Kirk so we're at the height of the Cold War that's when the original series is made we're doing it it's great and you can even argue that as the original movies went on there definitely were racist tendencies and tones for the Klingons that Kirk and other members of the Enterprise made and it really kind of delve down from this idealistic like vision that the original series portrayed. However, not really going to go into that. So we have that contrast. And again, in the 60s, Gene was cowboy diplomacy, ranting and raving, 
punching out bad guys, making out with with ladies, and kind of exploring the universe. That was Gene in the 60s. And now, in 1987, when we made Next Generation, he's a completely different Gene. And I mentioned this heavily, going to very in-depth reasons why, in the 24th Century Chaos series about behind the scenes of Next Generation. But, so Gene now is no longer the cowboy diplomacy. He's now moving towards this overseer kind of role in Star Trek. He's kind of going into this, all right, we're going to, I'm going to be this wise overseer where the captain never leaves the bridge and kind of is very principled and has his ideals. So the next generation, Captain John Luke Picard, was more committed to coexistence and non-intervention than a universal liberty and anti-totalitarianism. Boom. (laughs) I think almost a Neville Chamberlain type of attitude. Not full-blown Chamberlain, just a little bit. And there's a couple, there's one big episode or two episodes I'm going to talk about that kind of back that up and completely contrast to Kirk and how he really fought for why, what he really fought for and what he really stood for and his principles and how he thinks people should be governed. So continually through Next Generation, Picard would evaluate this, the prime directive into kind of this morally obtuse dogma and almost would like try to find a way to evade the responsibility of the moral judgment. Like I remember the one episode where the planet was going to be completely destroyed and millions of people die and he was debating. He was like, well, I can't interfere. I can't save them because, and the whole episode was him arguing with himself about this moral quandary. And again, the show featured this kind of false equivalency on a bigger scale, on a grand scale. Just completely hands-off compared to Kirk in like the episode of The Apple and just completely almost, I mean, you could even say he was complicit with evil. I'm, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> so we are deep in the water. So if you got your, your life jackets on because, wow, I, again, I warned you, this was going to be heavy. Next episode, we might do something like fun, like, I don't know, we'll just, I always like to do these heavy episodes and then like a lighter one at the end. Okay, and you'd be like, Jonathan, what's your evidence for this in Picard's idea? Well, in the episode called Redemption, one of a, a great episode, one of my favorite episodes, Picard has overseen the installation of Gowron as chief of the Klingon Council and quasi the Klingon Empire and a decision that I mean it does follow Klingon law but it's super unorthodox bringing Picard in but the Empire now is humanity's ally they invited Picard to judge the leadership controversy in this episode and Worf during this time even resigned his Starfleet commission kind of took a sabbatical to to be with Galron and join his crew in the process of this episode, rivals to Gowron and his throne attack his ship in full view of the Enterprise. Full view. So Picard knows what's going on. He just kind of lets it happen. He doesn't defend 
the lawful leader, which is Gowron, uh, against any type of revolt. He just kind of lets it happen in his presence, and he kind of abandons Gowron and his friend Worf. Now compare that to Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country, when Kirk nearly gave his life trying to prevent the assassination of the Klingon Chancellor. So you have these two identical situations where Picard can defend the lawful leader, Galron, and his close personal friend, Worf, chooses not to, chooses to abstain, lets him get attacked, doesn't interfere, and then on the exact other side of the coin, you have Kirk in the exact same situation nearly give his life protecting the Klingon Chancellor. So... If that's not a black and white difference between the two captains, I don't know what is. And that personally, when I saw that, those two episodes, I was like, and I watched Undiscovered Country again, I was like, wow, this is, uh, it's pretty, uh, wowie wow wow. That was, that opened, a, made me, uh, put my eyebrows up in the sky because I did not expect such a stark black and white contrast between the two captains. So, Again, we see this happen all over again in the episode of Redemption is that Galron survives that initial attack and he asks Picard, hey, I need some help, bro. These guys, these rivals are attacking me. Not only are these rivals attacking me, the Romulans are aiding and abetting, colluding with these rival factions to take me out. Can you help me now? Because now this is a whole nother galactic issue that the Romulans are trying to impose and, and interfere and cling on thing and cling on law and cling on uh, rule. And still, Picard refuses again, citing the non-interference directive. I mean, it's not like once, it's twice. And so I, was, I just didn't... What counts to me for this incoherent foreign policy? quote-unquote, foreign policy. And to me, it's nothing less than Picard's commitment to non-commitment. And he represents a almost a new, non-judgmental, kind of shallower ideology that was embraced in earlier times in Roddenberry's era, in the 1960s. So, and I mean, there's a little tagline. When Kirk pursues justice and tries to defend the weak Picard avoids conflict again I preference at the beginning of this episode I'm not a Picard hater I love Picard to death he's he's an absolute awesome captain I don't know man it's just this made me uh, made me raise some eyebrows here so just as Kirk's in my opinion his Kirk's devotion to these universal principles goes deeper than politics so does Picard's sentimentalism. So when it comes to the universe of real suffering, real need, and real search for truth, Picard is content not to decide and not to take responsibility and not to know. Now I'm not saying there are episodes in the future and he evolves, especially in in the series Picard, there's an evolution there and, and he changes and he adapts which is great. I'm just talking about Next Generation, the TV show right now. So again, if you don't like my hot, hot takes, 
let me know. Reach out. I love to debate. This is a great subject to talk about um, between these two captains, Kirk and Picard. So definitely let me know. And like I said before, talking about Kirk's devotion to universal principles and how they're deeper than like a political ideology is that we learn in that very first kind of peeling the onion back of episodes about Kirk and and it's called The Conscience of a King when we learn that Kirk is semi like a Holocaust survivor himself. If you don't know the episode, just give a quick recap. Like when Kirk was young, him and his parents barely escaped um, this dictator named Kodos the Executioner, which which slaughtered half the population of the colony on Taurus IV. So Kirk barely escaped with his life. Half the population was killed. However, when we see in this new episode, Conscious of a King, Kodos has eluded capture, and he's lived 20 years under a different name, making a living as a Shakespearean actor, and one of Kirk's fellow survivors tracks him down, and Kirk has to decide if he's a real killer or not. Now, why is this important, and why does this talk about political commentary? Because it's aired in 1966, and this was at the height of the Nazi war criminals in Argentina being found out. Just to put in perspective, during the show's three seasons, over 20 former Nazis were tried for their roles in the Holocaust. So this episode is definitely would be in the news, definitely talked about in a great way to wrestle and present these moral quandaries and issues to everyday people. And in the episode, like, Kirk kind of faces a crisis of certainty. And he says that logic is not enough. And I don't know if you knew this, but it kind of, that's almost kind of echoes Hamlet. And Kirk's like, I've got to be absolutely sure that this is the right guy. Yeah, he has to do the right thing. And Wow. So that kind of wraps up this episode on political allegory and symbolism in Star Trek, the original series, and Picard, and the main differences, in my opinion, between Picard and Kirk and how they address political ideologies while using the Prime Directive. Anyway, very interesting stuff. Like, again, very heavy episode, but it was a joy to do research. Again, I don't, there's nothing wrong with doing the episodic kind of reviews of the series. That's great. There's a lot of podcasts for that, but I know for me, in my podcast, I did not want to do that. I wanted to talk about interesting subjects because we all love Trek and there's so much to explore. It's such a rich, deep well of topics and subjects that we can debate and discuss. I was like, wow, we have to cover this. So thank you for going along on the ride. And that has been the political commentary episode. Thank you for joining and um, listening to this episode again. Not all my episodes are like this. This is the very first one you've ever listened to. We do. We have a lot of lighthearted ones. Check out the Relaxed episodes. And again, announcing that we're going to do a Klingon series in the upcoming future. That's our next big multi-episode series. And I just want to thank you for joining me on this. It's been a great, great pleasure to get behind the mic again this week. And also, um, just remember... Check out Starfleet Underground. I'll be guest starring um, one of their episodes soon, maybe beginning of August, middle of August, and I'll definitely keep you updated. And always remember, 
my hot, hot takes tonight, feel free to debate me on Instagram at Omega Particle Podcast, or you can reach me on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. Happy to talk with you guys. Um, love you guys so great. Thank you for all your support. And always remember, second star of the right, straight on till morning.